Good morning, everyone. Should we bow our heads in prayer? Father, we thank you that you've given us your word and you've given us your spirit. And Lord, that's all we need. And so, Lord, as we reflect on your word now, we pray that your spirit would teach us and guide us, empower us and equip us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone feeling awkward yet? (laughs) We don't like waiting, do we? Waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to start. It's a place of uncertainty, a place of not knowing, a place of frustration. Waiting's horrible. And some of us aren't good at waiting, are we, Andrea? Waiting is one of those things that is uh, part of life, but none of us like. And today I want to talk about the word wait, as we think about uh, what it means to live a life in the work of the Holy Spirit, to live a life in his power. Uh, I want to think about just that word wait. And um, it's actually quite an important word, I think, as you'll hear later on. But I want to, first of all... um, just reflect on the last two weeks, the last two words that we've focused on. Uh, and the first word was uh, move. And Rob spoke to us about how the work of the Holy Spirit, the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, is normal for church. At least it should be. I, was, um, I became a Christian because of an incredible miracle. Someone got radically healed. And my experience, well, my, my thought at that point was that, wow, that's what church is like, isn't it? It's filled with miracles. And of course, I was a little bit disappointed when I actually got to church. But all through my life, I have seen God do incredible things, either in my own life or in the lives of others. And I've seen enough miracles to know that miracles happen. I've seen enough healings to know that healings happen. And I know that it's what's possible. And yet when I compare scripture to to our church today, I'm left kind of frustrated. I don't know about you, but I'm left frustrated. See, what I see in scripture is, first of all, Jesus takes the twelve, and this is in Luke chapter 9, and he gives them authority and he sends them out. He says, go and heal the sick, cast out demons and raise the dead, preach the gospel. And the twelve go and do that and they come back and say, it's great, it's great. And then in the very next chapter, Luke chapter 10, Jesus doesn't just take the 12, he takes another 70, sends them out and says exactly the same thing, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. And they come back and go, wow, it was great. And we could easily think, yeah, that was back then. That was in Jesus' time. 
But what does Jesus say just before he gets taken up to heaven? He says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And what did he command them to do? I was hoping for someone to say something. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. The continuing work of the Spirit of God in the church should have been unbroken throughout history. In fact, Jesus goes even further. In John 16, he says that we would do even greater things than he did. And right at the end of the book of Mark, Jesus says this, that that miracles will accompany those who believe. See, the supernatural, powerful work of the Holy Spirit should be normal for the church. And in certain parts of the world it is. And in certain times and seasons it is. All the great revivals had miracles around them. Incredible things happening. It's part of the church. It's part of what God wants for his church. Some of you will know that um, uh, one of my least favourite films is The the Greatest Showman. Uh, Simon's favourite film, but there you go. Uh, But there's a song in it, and you all know the song, This Is Me. Yeah? You all know it? Yeah? Should we... uh, Go on, Hetty, do you want to... No, no, no. Um, But it's all about a a group of people who were shunned by the, the world, who were embarrassed about how they looked and how they were. And of course, it's the bearded lady who sings this song, who'd hidden herself for so long, and then suddenly, confidently says, this is me. And I think this is a bit like how we are as church. We are meant to be a church that moves in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we're a bit embarrassed about it, to be honest. The whole kind of miracles and healing thing, it's a little bit weird, isn't it? You know, all about science and that stuff, you know, and we get a little bit embarrassed by it and we can't explain it and we kind of stutter over it. And so we hide it away until it's out of sight. At some point, we as a church need to start saying, well, actually, this is us. This actually is church. Church is a place where we seek the power of God and we see God moving in power. That should be the church. And we should own that as Christians and we should own what church should be like. And stop being embarrassed by the things that we try to stumble into around miracles, because we all stumble into them. And just own it. We are meant to be a church that moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you look in Scripture, you have no other conclusion. This is us. A church that preaches the gospel, heals the sick, casts out demons and raises the dead. And yes, people have been raised from the dead, even in this last few years. Miracles happen. And we need to own it. The thing is, we get so passive about the work of the Spirit. There's a kind of theology, this is a wrong theology. It says, well, you know, well, if God wants to do it, he will do it. And we just hang around and see what happens. It's a passive theology. 
It's totally contrary to what Jesus says. So let's move on to what Tab said last week, where he focused on the word seek. See, everything Jesus says is all about us being proactively chasing after the things of God. And Tab's quite rightly, and I hoped he would do, but God has already got there before me, focused on the verse of scripture where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In other words, seek after this. Ask for it. Keep knocking at the door of heaven until God opens the door and pours out his spirit upon us. Because that's what happened at Pentecost. Where were the what was it, 125 disciples? Where were they on the day of Pentecost? It's not a trick question. They were locked away in what's known as the upper room. In the upper room. What were they doing there? Any ideas? Praying. We know that because it says in Acts chapter 1. What's it say in Acts chapter 1? That they met and prayed constantly. Emphasis on that word, constantly. See, Jesus has said to them, right, you go to Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit's going to come. So they go down there and they start meeting together and they're, they're praying. They are praying for God to pour out his spirit. Because that's the promise from Jesus, so they start to pray for it. They're not just sitting there having a game of cards and having a bit of food. They are seeking after what God will do. We need to be far more proactive around the work of God. Sometimes, yeah, we, we kind of pray for things and then it doesn't happen. We shrug our shoulders and just move on and start praying for something else. Especially when it comes to miracles and healing. Maybe God's looking for a people who will seek this. Who will chase after the work of God. You know, I said before that you know, I've seen enough miracles to convince me that these are for today. I can tell you stories of people I've prayed for and I've seen them healed. Of prophetic words that I've spoken into people's lives and they've come true. Things that I should never have known but God has told me. But I'll be honest and I'll confess to you that if I look at my life right now, there is a distinct Lack of the power of the Holy Spirit. And it both frustrates me and scares the life out of me. And if you are in that same place where you look at your life and you think, I'm not sure that my life matches what I see in Scripture. Not just in terms of how your character is and all those kind of things, but in terms of the power of God then maybe I can invite you to join with me. Because I've decided that I'm going to start praying every single day for the power of God in my life. I'm going to pray every single day for the power of God in this church. And if you're in that same place, I invite you to join me in that. To pray. 
to not settle for where you are, to not settle for the mediocre, but to reach out for all that God has for us and say, I will not settle for this. I will seek after it. I will chase after it with all of my heart because it's what I see in scripture and what I see in scripture should be what I see in my life. At the moment, I'm not seeing that. And if I could be really, really blunt, I'm not seeing it in your life either. Forgive me if I'm wrong in that. So let me encourage you, if you want to, to pray with me every single day. To pray daily, constantly, for the power of God to be evident in our church and in our lives. It starts with you. I think it was D.L. Moody who, whenever he was going to do a big rally, he was a big evangelist in the 1800s, whenever he was going to do a rally somewhere, he'd pray for revival for that town, but he would draw a circle around himself and say, Lord, send revival, but start here. Don't be praying for the power of God in this church as if it's for some other people. It is for you. And we need to seek after this with all that we have. And to not settle for anything less. So let's not be passive. You know, we can, uh, I think, uh, Tabs mentioned last time, he talked about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And one of the uh, definitions of manifestation is to show the symptoms of. And I wonder if you are showing the symptoms of being filled with the Spirit of God. What are the symptoms? Well, you, no doubt some of you are thinking, yeah, it's the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? You know, it's the character stuff. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, humility, faithfulness, self-control. Of course it is. Of course it is. It is always character, but it is also power. Are you seeing the power of God at work in your life? They are the symptoms of the Spirit of God working in us. That is the outworking of the Spirit. You know, there's a little story in uh, Acts chapter 19 where Paul goes to Ephesus. He comes across a group of disciples. What's his first question to them? Does anyone know the story? And Stuart was here at 9.30. He's not allowed to answer. Anyone know the story? What's his first question to them? His first question is this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Very first question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. A bit like many Christians today. And so he lays his hand on them. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy and praise God. See, the symptoms, if you like, of being filled with the Holy Spirit are healing and prophecy and deliverance. But it's all about being filled with the power of God first. That's the root of it all. We need to be filled. We need to seek after this with all that we have. In our reading, uh, we heard Jesus, he's about to ascend into heaven. And he says to his disciples, 
Go to Jerusalem and wait. And the Holy Spirit will come and fill you. You'll be baptised in the Holy Spirit. In other words, you'll be immersed. You'll be filled to overflowing. You'll be replete, to use a word that's uh, become a bit of a joke in our house, which means overflowing with the Holy Spirit in such a way that it will touch the lives of others. You'll become my witnesses wherever you go. He tells them, he commands them to go and wait. You can imagine, couldn't you, as as Jesus is ascending into heaven and he's telling them to make disciples of all nations, the disciples are ready to go. They're like, all right, we're going to go and tell people about Jesus. They wouldn't have lasted five minutes if they did that. You see, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of Jesus. It's not an optional extra. You need this. Jesus went 30 years of his life before he was filled with the Holy Spirit and then his ministry began. Even Jesus needed it. And if Jesus needed it, it would be arrogant of us to think that we can get away without the Holy Spirit. We are meant to be a people who are so filled with the Holy Spirit we're able to do Jesus' work. If you are trying to do the work of Jesus or live the life of Jesus... Without the work of the Spirit in your life, you're doomed to failure. I remember when um, uh, I uh, was ordained and I became a curate. Uh, The first six months of my curacy, I was struggling. It was really frustrating because I'd done ministry before. I'd been a full-time worker in the church for four years and I'd seen all sorts of things happen. I'd seen God do amazing things and then here I was as an ordained person, thinking, wow, this was going to be great, and it was terrible. It took me six months to realise that I was trying to do all this work in my own strength. That what I had before I went to college, college seemed to knock out of me, and I was trying to do my, God's work in my strength. You are always doomed to frustration and failure if you do that. I had to come back again and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. So that I can do your work. But I had to have that time of waiting. Waiting to see, actually, I need God. I need God to do something in me. To change this. And you can imagine the disciples, can't you, getting really frustrated as they they kind of come down from the mountaintop where Jesus ascended into heaven... They go to Jerusalem and they gather everyone together and they start praying. And they're expecting something to happen. And they pray on day one and day two comes and they're all gathered together and they pray. And then day three and they all gather together and pray. And then day four and they all gather together and pray. Still nothing happens. I think at that point, four days of praying, I'd have been off. I'd be thinking, right, there's more to do in my life than this. And then day five comes and they pray and nothing happens. And then day six comes and they pray and nothing happens. And then even those who are committed, like Mark Millington, they're thinking, you know, stuff this for a game of cards. I'm off. 
And then day eight comes and nothing happens. Day nine comes and they're praying and they're praying and they're praying and nothing happens. And maybe even some of you are thinking, I'm off. But then day ten comes. And they gather. And they pray. And the walls shake and the wind comes and flames fall upon them. And they are filled with the power of God. And on that day, 3,000 people become Christians. See, they had to have that time of waiting to learn something. And Andrew Murray puts it well. He's a missionary and knows a lot about the work of the Spirit. And he says this. As you wait before God in holy silence, he sees it as a confession. That you have nothing. No wisdom to give. No strength to, to work. Waiting is the expression of need, of emptiness. So we all have to come to that point where we realise that we can't do this stuff in our own strength. And sometimes we just have to wait. And our waiting is saying to God, I'm going to stay here until you bless me. I'm going to stay in this place until you pour out your spirit on me. The thing is, we don't like waiting, do we? We don't like silence. We don't like that whole kind of awkwardness. Here's another confession for you, and some of you may have experienced this when uh, we've spoken. Uh, if anyone on a kind of pastoral thing, you know, someone's chatting to me about a pastoral stuff, uh, one of the things I like to do is that they, someone might say something, and they're looking for me to respond, and I don't. I sit there in silence. And you can see them getting a bit. Is he going to say something? And he guarantee every single time they'll just start to blurt out something else. Because we hate the silence. We hate not knowing what's going to happen. And it's in those moments that they actually blurt out the most important things that are going on in their hearts and minds. So if I'm sat there with you in silence, you know what I'm doing, all right? I may have just killed all my pastoral skills now, but there you go. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same with God. He's just waiting for you to realize just how much you need Him. Just how much you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, in the waiting, we discover something else. We become thirsty. Thirsty for God, thirsty for the things of God, thirsty for all that He has to offer us. In John 7, Jesus is a great festival. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the feast that celebrates how God provided for the people of Israel. Significant. And on the last day of the feast, Jesus stands up and he says these words. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit of God. See, when you are thirsty, God responds. When you long for something so much, God responds. When you are so desperate for God to do something in your life, God responds. And sometimes it is in the waiting that we become desperate. And God is longing for people to be so thirsty for the Holy Spirit that that's all that they want. And right now, 
as I look at my life, I'm becoming more and more thirsty for God to do something significant in me and through me in the power of his spirit that I know he's going to pour out his spirit again on me. And I'm praying that you will join me in prayer for more power in our lives and for more power in this church. And even if we start to see little things, what I do know is if we continue in this, that we will see a bigger breakthrough down the way. And that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm longing for. That God will do a bigger breakthrough in our church that will see a significant outpouring of his spirit that will lead to healing, deliverance, and even perhaps raising the dead. Someone said to me once, Steve, you will actually see someone raised from the dead through your ministry. And I'm going to hold on to that to my dying day. I hope that's what you're longing for. I hope that's what you're thirsty for. That something in you is stirring right now for more. That you're not going to settle for where you are in your Christian walk. Because if you settle, you're missing out on part of the adventure. Part of the adventure of walking with Jesus. See, when we start to, to pray, when we start to long and to seek and to thirst... Then God answers. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Where those disciples who prayed for those ten days encountered the Holy Spirit in power. And I'm praying that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in power too. I'm praying that you will discover just how much he has for you. You know, every time we meet together, we should, at least some of us, encounter God afresh and be filled with God afresh every single time. And you know, I was reminded yesterday that this whole thing of of being filled with the Holy Spirit as a constant thing, it's actually enshrined in Anglican ritual and liturgy. It is. That's, you know, let's face it, Anglicanism is not known as some kind of Holy Spirit hotbed, is it? You know? It, but it is. So, when people are confirmed, the bishop lays the, his hand on, or her hand on their head and prays for the Holy Spirit to come. Not because they haven't already been filled with the Holy Spirit, it is to confirm that they have already been filled So everyone who comes to confirmation should have been filled with the Holy Spirit and that confirmation, it is confirmed and they are prayed to be filled again. Yesterday, Simon was ordained a priest. He knelt before the bishop and the bishop prayed for him again to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this walk with Jesus should be a walk in which we are constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we see it in scripture. And now and that's been enshrined in Anglicanism, of all things. I pity the Pentecostals who only think, believe in one kind of experience, the Holy Spirit. We are meant to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. To never stop seeking after his work in our life. Because no matter how much you've seen of the work of God, there is always more. 
There's always more. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Uh, Paul writes, uh, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to excess. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that last phrase can be translated, Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Whereas the Amplified Version says, Never, sorry, ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. In other words, allow the Holy Spirit's work to grow in you. Keep on being filled. Keep on seeking after his power. Keep on listening to what God wants for you and move in that all the time. To never allow your openness to the Spirit of God close. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's another great story in Acts, in chapter 4, where Peter's been arrested and the disciples are terrified and they get together to pray. And what do they pray? They pray that Peter gets released, and of course he is, but they also pray, Lord, stretch out your hand and heal and deliver again. And then it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. These were the same people who were on the day of Pentecost being filled again with the Holy Spirit of God. You'd think that after such a huge event, that would last them a little bit longer than that. But no, they needed even more. See, the more you give out of God, from God, the more you need to receive from him. The more you're involved in things like healing and deliverance and prophecy, the more you need to receive from God. You cannot ever settle. God always has more for you. And right now, God has more for some of you here today. It might be that as we've, I've talked, that you're aware that God's stirring something in, in you. That you know that you need to respond in some way. That you know that you need to be praying. And I hope that all of you pray. My heart desires that every single one of you will pray daily for the power of God in your life and in the life of this church. Put it as a reminder on your phone. Do something that will enable you to pray daily. But maybe God's stirring something in you right now that you know you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. You look at your life And if you're anything like me, you're ashamed at the lack of power. And so I'm going to pray for you. But so I know who I'm praying for, I'm going to ask this very simple question. Where you are, if you want to be prayed for to receive more of God's Spirit, to simply stand where you are and to do that now. And we'll have uh, ministry time like normal in a moment, but just as you stand, maybe you could put your hand on your heart and just make a conscious decision now to open up all that you are to God. To not hold anything back, to not put barriers up.
And I'm going to just invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. And then we're going to wait. And it'll all get a bit awkward. But we'll just wait. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Lord, we hold on to those words now. And we ask with all that we are for your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill our lives again. Come, Holy Spirit. your power upon us we pray don't be afraid of just waiting Just let him fill you now. Seek after him. Fear I God saying some things. That for some of you, He's asking you to commit to prayer. It's almost like it's almost like a challenge He's given you. How thirsty are you? Just how thirsty are you? And it's not like He's trying to play with you or anything like that. He's just asking you, how thirsty are you? What are you prepared to give to commit to this? How thirsty are you? And right now, maybe God's speaking into some of your hearts. He's given you a sense of something. And maybe it's something to do. And again, it's, it's almost like a challenge. It's like, how obedient will you be? If I fill you with, your, with my spirit, how obedient will you be? Whatever God's laying on your heart right now to do, do it. Do it immediately. If it's straight after here or even now, just do it. Show God how obedient you're prepared to be. And for some of you saying, will you wait? 
Would you keep in that place of seeking and wait until I come? Because I'm aware at times like this, you see people, how they respond to the silence and the stillness. And some people throw themselves into you and see they're engaged. And then others, after five seconds, they kind of got their eyes open, looking around and thinking, what do I do now? And so you can see the awkwardness of it. But God's asking you to learn to wait. To stay in a place where you're seeking after him. Father, we pray that you pour out your spirit on us. We pray, Lord, that we might see signs and wonders amongst us. That each of us individually may know your power at work in our lives. That our church here will become a place where healings and miracles are the norm, not the exception. And if you're in that place where you know you simply need to be filled again with the Spirit of God, there are going to be people over to my left-hand side by the windows who are prepared to pray for you. And so as we worship now, either use this as a time to praise God for what he's doing in you, or use this as a time to receive.